0: The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group.
1: It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were suddenly given to the average American, the rich would have most of their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow... Jim McAlees believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So start or supercharge your wealth-building plan now with Jim McAleese.
2: Good morning and welcome to Get Risk Slow. This is your Money School for Financial Winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, certified financial planner and president of Cornerstone Consulting Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated. Which is a member of Finra and Cipic Cornerstone Consultants, which is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Are you enjoying this beautiful summer yet? I sure am. But looking around, the weather forecast are uh, mostly sunny days and moderate to warm temperatures. Perfect. Here we are in Northeast Ohio, and we so deserve a, a fit this weather. After our winters and, and rainy springs, I'll say it twice, rainy springs. That that spring has kept us busy with puddles and turning and all sorts of uh, ponds and, and wet spots in the backyard. So, enough already. Although it did make everything unbelievably lush-looking right now, I just hope it stays that lush-looking uh, when it uh, gets a little warmer. As long as the rains come and thunders come two or three days of steady rain, I'm sure we'll be able to get outside and enjoy all the sun and the weather and everything else. And don't forget, uh, Father's Day is next weekend, so uh, even if you're fully grown, pick up the phone and call Dad. If he doesn't want to lecture you about something or other, can <laughs> probably hand the phone to Bob. Uh, but he knows that you remembered anyhow. And for the younger families, it's the moms who generally orchestrate the preparation for Father's Day. You know, with the youngsters making the gifts that Dad will treasure forever. And as the uh, years pass, Father's Day changes from the you know the the gifts around the table to a backyard barbecue with a family and mom and the grown children, and maybe even the grandchildren. And in between relaxing this weekend, we might try to understand what happened in in the stock markets this week. This week, global equities were mixed again. In the U.S., the three major stock indices were down big time, and that was due to a surprise jump in the uh, consumer price index numbers on Friday. While in the UK, the 5100 was down, and in the EU, the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX, and the stock Europe 600 were down, as the European Central Bank talked about wrapping up its qualitative uh, easing operation prior to starting its tightening operation later this summer. In Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up and China's Shanghai Composite and Hong Kong Hang Seng were both up for the week. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed at the Dow Jones closed at thirty one thousand three hundred ninety two point seven nine. It was down four point five eight percent for the week. The Standard and Poor five hundred closed at thirty nine hundred point eight six. It was down 5.05% for the week, and the NASDAQ Composite closed at 11,340.02, and it was down 5.6% for the week. Most of the damage happened Friday, and uh, Friday morning, the Department of Labor reported that uh, for May, the Consumer Price Index increased to 8.6% from a year earlier. And uh, in basically, it was a broad-based advance, with a lot of the components moving upward in the uh, consumer price index. Investors had expected inflation had peaked, and were basically caught flat-footed by this news. Uh, The widely followed uh, inflation gauge uh, also raised uh, uh, one month uh, one percent from a month earlier. And that basically, those two numbers of 1% for month over month and the 8.6 over uh, the last year, that topped all estimates. And uh, when you take a look at the results, which we will look at later in the show, uh, shelter, food, and gas were the biggest contributors. The uh, so-called core CPI or core uh, consumer price index it strips out the more volatile food and energy components. That rose six-tenths of a percent uh, from the prior month and six percent from the year ago. That was uh, was basically consistent, mostly consistent, what we've seen in the April uh, consumer price index. The big surprise came in the uh, uh, what they call the all-included number, which includes the food and, uh, fuel that came in at, uh, 1%, uh, um, increase in the month of May plus a 0.6% increase, uh, from May a year ago. So basically these figures dashed all hope that inflation had already peaked and was starting to go down. Uh, there was a lot of thinking, uh, along the lines that, um, you know, the, uh, Inflation was up to 8.5 percent. I think it was in March, and then it came down to 8.3 percent in April. And people expected it to continue on downward, but it surprised us. It moved up from 8.3 to 8.6, and uh, so people we were expecting that uh, inflation had peaked and it would go down, and maybe. Uh, sometimes, if it was going down rapidly, inflation was going down rapidly enough that sometimes in the fall, the uh, Federal Reserve would relax its uh, uh, tightening and give the uh, uh, stock market a break. But that's not going to happen. So uh, this uh, inflation is already um, moving up. Uh, record gasoline prices paired with an unrelenting uh, food and shelter costs are adding strain to the Americans' cost of living, suggesting that the Federal Reserve will have to pump up the brakes on the economy even harder. So, uh, this raises the risk of a recession, which some economists already saw as likely next year. So, uh, a lot of economists aren't writing that into their main um, uh, scenario yet, Uh, but it certainly uh, indicates that there's more work that's going to have to be done to cure this inflation problem. The higher inflation readings uh, injected renewed volatility into the stock and the bond and the currency markets as investors tried to assess uh, how much more aggressive the Federal Reserve Uh, would have to be to put a cap on uh, price pressures. So the Federal Reserve officials are largely expected. The Federal Reserve meets uh, this uh, coming uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. And uh, what they're going to do there is sit down and determine how much they're going to increase the overnight uh, uh, or the federal funds rates. The federal funds rates now stand at 1%. So uh, there really hasn't been a great uh, increase in the federal funds rate so far. They've increased it from one-quarter of a percent at the start of the year to one percent now. And uh, uh, they largely expect the Federal Reserve will increase it a half a percent in the uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. And then... uh, uh, Chairman Powell, who also indicated a uh, couple months ago, that he would want to increase it to another half a percent for July. But uh, they make these decisions in you know, every meeting. And the meetings are generally scheduled about six weeks apart. So uh, this meeting in June, uh, expectations are for a half a percent increase. So they'll increase the Federal funds rate to one and a half percent by the end of the day on uh, Wednesday. So, and then there'll be a, 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 a public presentation as to what the results of the meeting were. Uh, basically, the the uh, stock market reacted poorly uh, to this surprise, and on Friday the stock market fell sharply. Sharply, the Dow Jones Industrials fell. 2.73%, the uh, Standard of Poor 500 fell 2.91%, and then Nasdaq composite fell 3.52% on Friday. And one of the concerns of investors is that the stronger inflation, again, will push the Federal Reserve to extend uh, and heighten the aggressive series of interest types into the fall. You know, for example, uh, three-quarters of a percent rate hikes had been discussed earlier, about a month ago, but they were dismissed. And uh, if it takes, uh, basically, if it takes higher rates to conquer inflation, then the Federal Reserve uh, would probably raise the federal funds rate by three-quarters of a percent uh, in July, and maybe even in, uh, in September, Federal Open Market Committee meetings. So, so far, uh, consumer spending has held firm in the face of inflation. In other words, when you take a look at the economy, the economy is basically strong. It's been superheated by uh, the uh, stimulus uh, programs. So the the economy is strong. The consumers have money. The consumers are spending. Uh, the labor market is tight there's jobs if you want a job and basically uh the first quarter earnings for the uh, standard and poor companies indicate that the uh, first quarter earnings were up eight percent uh above the uh, first quarter a year earlier so what you're what you're seeing right now is consumer spending is holding firm in the face of inflation and uh some economists fear that the Fed will go too far in tightening policy, uh, risking uh, weaker spending and a slowdown in the economic growth. And, and uh, one of the things we see when we look in the, the latest report, which I was mentioned before, we're going to go over that in this uh, uh, show, uh, shelter costs, which are one of the biggest components in the basket of goods in the, uh, uh, consumer price index basket, uh, they make up about a third of the overall index and they were up 5.5% from last year. And, you know, we've all seen that. We talk about the, uh, you know, new home construction, uh, existing home sales, all of these things. And we talk about how much the, uh, Housing, price of housing has gone up. And uh, we like to see big numbers there, but uh, now we're seeing the cost of that. So uh, the most recent, uh, (coughs) the most, uh, when it went up 5.5% last year, excuse me, just a second. Nope. Uh, we went up 5.5% in the cost of housing over the last year, and that's the most since 1991. Economists don't expect housing inflation to peak until later this year, suggesting further increases in these categories. Used car prices, which have, uh, have been cooling in recent months, have passed 1.8% in May, the most this year. And new vehicle prices climbed 1% in May. Grocery prices rose 11.9% from May of last year. That's a big step. Close to 12% in a year. And that's the most since 1979. And uh, electricity increased 12%. And that's the most since August of 2006. Uh, Red of primary residents climbed 5.2% from the year earlier, and that's the largest advance since 1987. So the Consumer price Index report showed that prices for necessities continue to rise at double-digit paces. Energy prices climbed 34.6% from the year earlier and the most since 2005, including a 49% jump in gasoline costs. Gasoline prices have since climbed to new highs. Uh, And there's growing risk that price pressures in these categories will continue to build. In other words, when you look around and say, what else could happen? Well, we've got the uh, Russian ongoing war in Ukraine, as well as the stepped-up sanctions. We've got uh, potential port disruption due to the... uh, upcoming West Coast uh, dock workers contract expiration. You've got the COVID lockdowns in China, which seemingly are ending, but they could crop up again. And all these contribute to possible higher prices in, in food and energy. <clears throat> a, lingering, a lingering fear in the fight against inflation is that the tighter monetary policy May not help much, uh, you know. The the idea to tightening the uh, uh, monetary policy is to slow down the U.S. economy and uh, bring the demand down to a more equilibrium position with the supply. So, what inflation started early in two thousand, early last year, when Suddenly, everybody was. Uh, no one was spending money on restaurants and sporting events and travel. Everybody was buying goods, and the demand for goods overwhelmed the supply. And inflation got started. But now, uh, um, now we're, we've got uh, 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 a situation where we have surges in food and fuel, and. If if the uh, tightening of the monetary policy uh, might atta- might uh, impact oil a little bit, but I don't see where it's going to impact food. And uh, basically, uh, people are feeling the pinch. Another uh, concern yeah, would be the impact of the uh, uh, of the Federal Reserve's new quali- quantitative uh, tightening process where in addition to increasing the overnight rate of the federal funds rate, the Federal Reserve is talking about rolling off approximately $47.5 billion of treasury bonds and mortgage-backed securities each month in June, July, and August, and increasing that to $95 billion above starting in September. And uh, that's something new that... uh, we really don't have any experience with, and uh, they say that will be equivalent to another quarter of a percent increase in the federal funds rate, but, uh, you know, it's a question of who knows. Uh, in uh, in the uh, more unwelcome news, the University of Michigan's uh, June Consumer Index slumped as surging prices battered U.S. households with survey respondents expecting prices to advance 3.3% over the next 5 to 10 years, and that's the most since uh, 2008 and up from 3% in May. So and we'll talk about that also in terms of uh, what the consumer uh, sentiment is for, um, due to this inflation. It's having a big impact on consumer sentiment. And the consumer sentiment also impacts uh, consumer buying, too. So, you know, to me, it was a big surprise, Friday. It had a big uh, impact on the uh, stock market. Uh, And the volatility um, went way up. And uh, now it's time to see whether this week, this coming week, uh, what happens in the stock market. Aside from the from the macroeconomics, uh, let's not lose sight of one of the things that we're most interested in, and that is our own financial planning. In other words, we have to deal with this inflation, and we're dealing with it uh, in terms of uh, allocating our resources to uh, the standard of living, and at the same time, Allocating the resources to our long range goals, you know, basically the, the long range goals of, uh, uh, educating the children, retire, planning for retirement, uh, all of these things have to be kept uh, on the, uh, in the front of our mind in terms of how we're going to allocate the resources, the income that comes in every week. Every, well, every month maybe, every two weeks, and how that's going to be allocated to uh, the different pots of investments that we have in order to make sure that the money is available in the future. So you have to identify the goals, identify the, uh, the, the value of those goals and the schedule in the future, and you have to set up a system of allocating the income to meet those future goals, and also tracking the results. So it is a long-term process, and in terms of tracking the results, is necessary to say what's working and what is not working in terms of uh, uh, modifying your plans. So then you also have to protect your um, your uh, financial system, your personal financial system. Against unforeseen events, and that's basically why you have uh, uh, property and casualty insurance to uh, protect you against uh, liabilities and from the cars and from houses and also uh, uh, the life insurance. So, and then after that, you have to consider uh, uh, estate planning. In other words, once you get to the point where uh, you're retired comfortably and securely. Then it's a the function of saying, okay, uh, there's a, a there's laws and regulations with regard to how much can be transferred to the youngsters and how it can be transferred and things of this nature. So that's called that's part of the estate planning and gifting uh, strategies. So these are things that we do for our clients, and basically it, it's it's. Uh, Uh, apart from what's happening in the big uh, macroeconomic area, but it's very, very critical to our own well-being and uh, our own uh, financial stability and and security. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to uh, Get Rich Slow. Uh, You can give us a call over our toll-free number, one 888 281110. 888 281 stay tuned, we'll be right back after a word from our
1: sponsor. Hi, this is Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week we take calls from people just like you that have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes Jim can't answer the questions in depth because of time restraints or the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, buying your next home, planning for retirement, finding that right mutual fund, or covering your assets... With the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today at 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow.
2: Welcome back to Get That Show. This is yours this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about in the big picture was this, uh, this inflation thing. But uh, the inflation thing is just part of the uh, what's happening in the overall economy. And uh, <clears throat> if it wasn't for this inflation, why, we'd have a, basically a perfect economy. If you recall, in... Uh, uh, 2020, February 2020, when the COVID hit, uh, there was suddenly a realization that we'd have to shut down the whole economy, at which point it shut down in, in February and in March, and uh, 14 million people uh, hit the street in one month. Uh, over those February, March, and April, uh, a tremendous amount of people were let go and uh, basically, the, the uh, federal government uh, uh, started a uh, stimulus program in order to get the country back on its feet again. All of this, uh, that stimulus program, basically uh, input $6 trillion into the economy. And the Federal Reserve uh, has also. Uh, was uh, buying bonds at 120 billion dollars a month and that was pushing money into the economy too so the economy is is uh, uh, was heavy heavily stimulated and uh, it took off like a banshee and uh, basically what we're seeing right now is that uh, hey, we've got a problem with the uh, uh, you know with inflation. So uh, what's it going to take to cure the inflation problem? And if you recall the late 70s, the late 70s, they let it go on and on and on. You know, there was a lot of political interaction together with the Federal Reserve, and uh, nobody wanted to uh, hurt the economy and cure inflation. So it got to a point where it had to be done. And that was done by Volcker, uh, who was the head of the Federal Reserve, in uh, uh, 1981. And uh, the cure for inflation is a recession. So uh, what the Federal Reserve is trying to do now is basically say, okay, uh, we got a super hot economy, uh, let's uh, tone it down, uh, let's... Uh, um, uh, start uh, costing more money for loans and and uh, start uh, pulling money out of the economy in order to get the uh, uh, slow the economy down and get a better balance between uh, demand and supply. So <clears throat> that's what they're going to be doing. Uh, all in all, the economy is still very very strong, and we're going to talk about. Uh, you know the manufacturing sector and the and the um, uh, service sector, and basically all of those are going to basically show that uh, the economy in in terms of manufacturing, uh, is in also in terms of service, it, it's all uh, a, basically a problem with regard to uh, supply chains and. Uh, you can't get your, your uh, parts, or you can't get your service when you need it. Uh, also, the prices are going up because of um, uh, the delays. And uh, uh, But still in all, uh, companies, individuals, uh, you know, countries are working their way through uh, the, infl- the problems associated with the uh, supply chains and also the, uh, costs and also the availability of labor. So, uh, you, we've got an economy that is uh, so strong that, uh, it has to be toned down a bit. So basically what we're looking at here in terms of this consumer price index is that, uh, uh it's basically too high and, uh, uh, it requires a, the attention of the Federal Reserve to get it down to a, a reasonable point again. All of us have been watching prices go up. The ones we notice first are the food and gasoline because they we buy them on a regular basis, and uh, the Department of Labor uh, keeps track of those prices in their consumer price, ret- price index report each month. and. Uh, on Friday, the Department of Labor released a report called the Consumer Price Index for May. And what that showed is that U.S. inflation accelerated in May and came in significantly higher than estimated as basically the shortage of labor and materials continued to push up prices. The report shows that in inflation uh, uh, protection can. Uh, uh, Pressures uh, continue to be very strong. Uh, uh, the Department of Labor said prices increased one percent in the month of May uh, from April at eight point six percent from uh, May a year ago. And the inflation surge was driven by uh, rising costs in gasoline, food, shelter, but the uh, uh, price increases were also broad based. And uh, we'll talk about how broad based they were as we, as we uh, uh, look at the numbers here. If I take a look at the numbers for May, what we see is that in the month of May, the all inclusive CPI, which by all inclusive I mean it includes the effects of food and fuel, that went up 1% month over month, and it went up 8.6% year over year. Now, if I strip out food and fuel, then it went up six-tenths of a percent in uh, May and six percent over the last 12 months. I take a look at what uh, it did in the month before. The month before, uh, the all-inclusive consumer price index increased three-tenths of one percent. And uh, month over month, and 8.3 percent year over year. So what we're seeing right now is that suddenly the uh, increase month over month has gone from three tenths of a percent to one percent, which might seem kind of scary. But we we can look back over the numbers for uh, the consumer price index numbers from March, and we see that the In March, the uh, month-over-month increase was 1.2%. So if we look at the month-over-month increase, it went from 1.2% in March to 0.3% in April to 1% in May, which gives you an idea of the variability of these uh, uh, price increases. But the year over year numbers is more, more stable in the sense that in March, the year over year number was eight and a half percent. And then in April, it came down to 8.3 and now it's gone up to, uh, uh, 8.6. So, uh, those numbers include food and fuel. And basically what you're going to see is food and fuel are, uh, global commodities. And, uh, and the, uh, uh, it's very, very difficult to control global commodities because basically they're, they're basically controlled by the whole world. So far, consumer spending is so <clears throat> uh, firm in the, in the face of inflation and is supported by the savings and the credit cards and... Uh, People are afraid that the, the Federal Reserve is going to go too far in this tightening. But if you take a look at the where the costs come from, the shelter costs, which are the biggest component, they make up about one-third. They're up about 5.5%. That's the most since 1991. Uh, economists don't expect housing to peak until later this year, suggesting that further increases in these categories. Used cars, <clears throat> used cars, had been cooling in recent months, and but they advanced one point eight percent in May the most this year. And, uh, and new vehicles, uh, um, they climbed one percent. So, <clears throat> if we take a look into the uh, the actual numbers and see what what, uh, for instance, the big numbers are. Uh, food and food went up uh, 10.1 percent uh, over the last 12 months and 1.2 percent in the month of May. Our Food at home went up 11.9 percent and uh, in, for the 12 months and 1.4 percent in the month of uh, May. And if you take a look, who's the biggest increase in the food category? It's in uh, dairy and related products. It used to be in the meat and poultry. In the meat and poultry, it basically gone up 14% over the last 12 months. So looking at the individual numbers, uh, you're seeing jumps here and there. Uh, the big jumps are in food and energy. And if you're talking, uh, taking a look at... Uh, Eating oil, eating oil has jumped up uh, 106% in the last 12 months and 16.9% in the month of uh, May. And then gasoline has increased uh, 49.7% over the last 12 months and 4.1% in the month of May. So, uh, uh, natural gas uh has gone up 30.2 percent in the last 12 months and has gone up eight percent in the uh, month of May. So uh, the, the the other big jumper was uh, airline fares, which the, the the report shows you exactly what uh, how much this uh, means to the, the final number and it shows that the airline fares, have increased close to 38% over the last 12 months. And they, for May, they, they went up about 12.6%. But that's only a very small portion of the basket. That's less than uh, 7 tenths of 1% of the basket. The big numbers in that basket are the shelter, which is basically 32% of the basket. And that went up 5.5% in the last 12 months and <clears throat> six-tenths of a percent in the month of May. And also, uh, energy energy is basically 8.2% of the basket, and it went up 34% over the last 12 months. And uh, food is 13% of the basket, and that went up 10.1% over the last 12 months. So. Uh, what you're seeing is that the prices are going up, uh, and uh, <clears throat> let's say uh, if you, you want to give us a call over our phone number, it's one Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, uh, Jim McAleese. One of the things we, uh, we look at to determine how the consumer feels about buying things and, and uh, his overall uh, contentment of security is the uh, University of Michigan's uh, uh, consumer sentiment. And the preliminary numbers came out for that. And basically, it showed that the uh, consumer sentiment nosedived uh, for, uh, let's see, the consumer sentiment uh, went down 8.2% to 50.2. In other words, these are the numbers for June of 2022. And they put out three numbers. They put out an index of consumer sentiment, which came in in June at 50.2. And uh, we compare that to what it was in May. And in May, it was 58.4. And we compare that to June a year ago. It was 85.5. So the higher number is a better number. And what we're doing is going down, down, down. So the consumer is feeling the impact of uh, uh, his economic environment, and he looks at it in two parts. One is the current economic conditions, which are the basically the uh, short term, let's say a year or less, and then looking out over long term, which is the consumer expectations number, and I'll give you an idea of what the short-term viewpoint looks like, in uh, June it was 55.5, in May it was 63.3, and in June last year it was 88.6, and the consumer expectation numbers, which is the long-range viewpoint, in June it was 46.8, May it was 55.2, and in June... A year ago, was 83.5. So the director of the uh, Survey of Consumer Reports, Consumer uh, uh, Sentiment, uh, she summarized it as following, quote, consumer sentiment declined by 14% from May, continuing a downward trend over the last year and reaching its lowest recorded level, comparable to a trough reached in the middle of the 1980 recession. All components of the sentiment index fell this month uh, with the steepest decline in the year-ahead outlook in business conditions, and that was down 24% in May. Uh, consumers' assessment of their personal financial situation worsened, uh, uh, worsened about 20%, and 46 percent of consumers attributed their negative views to inflation, up from 38 percent in May. Uh, this share has not only has only been exceeded once since 1981 during the Great Recession. Overall, gas prices weighed heavily on consumers, uh, which was no surprise given that 65 percent increase in natural gas uh, national gas prices in the last month, according to the AAA, and half of all consumers spontaneously mentioned uh, gasoline during their interview, compared with 30% in May and only 13% a year ago. Consumers expected gas prices to continue to rise, meaning of $0.25 over the next year, more than double the May reading and the second highest since 2015. In addition, a majority of consumers spontaneously mentioned supply shortages for the ninth consecutive month. So basically what the people are really, really keying in on is the gasoline prices and how that's affecting their sentiment. So, I mean... Uh, The gasoline prices, if you take a look back at the uh, individual report, the gasoline prices only impact about 4.5% of the total CPI process. But consumers are keying in on that uh, like a a laser focus. So, uh, you know, people are not happy with regard to this inflation and what it's doing to gasoline prices, and and basically food prices. So uh, this is Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. We can talk about what's happening in the world, or we can talk about what's happening in your particular uh, financial situation. Just give us a call. The number is 1-888-281-1110. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Romeo and the lonely girl They seem to hit it
1: all Till Romeo, he told the lonely girl I must take my leave, my love It was
0: these few words I overheard Thought I would move in
1: but before I could, the lonely girl had fallen in love with you. Oh, for Romeo, to know
2: on this Romeo. Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, My recommendation to my clients is that if you're healthy and can afford it, you should consider waiting until you reach your full retirement age. uh, You know, in a lot of cases, it's 66 plus so many months, and the younger people, it's 67. So uh, that's typically where my clients uh, do do, uh, begin to draw on Social Security benefits. Now you can go to 70, you can continue and say, I don't want my benefits, and then you allow your benefits to increase up to age 70, but uh, then you run the risk of, well, you know, how long are you going to live? You'll probably live long enough to justify it, but most of the the clients, they look at it, they say, well, I I want something out of this retirement, out of the Social Security system. I paid into it all my life, so I want something out of it. So if you're healthy and can afford it, wait until the full retirement age. By law, uh, the age when uh, workers can qualify for full benefits has increased from uh, 65 to 67. So anybody born after 1960 is, uh, therefore, its full retirement age is 67. And if you claim benefits before reaching full retirement age, Uh, your benefits, your Social Security benefits will be reduced. So, let's say if you claim benefits at age 62, and let's say you're going to get $1,000 a month, if you wait until you're uh, 66 plus so many months, you'll get uh, probably a 33% more. You'll get $1,333. So, and then if you want to wait until you're 70, You'll get uh, $1,750. So Social Security determines the amount. They've got a record of, of all of your wages uh, from working, and uh, they determine the amount of your benefits based upon your highest 35 years of earnings. So if you've worked uh, 45 years uh, and you're ready to draw Social Security, they'll take a look and they'll. Pick out the highest 35 years. And uh, what they'll do is, uh, for the ones that were years and years ago, they'll compensate for that by bumping them up uh, for inflation. Not exactly, but they, there's a crude method of coming up with a the, uh, the multiplier as to what they would be worth today. And then they just uh, take the highest 35 and average it. Now, for the, if we if we can get Social Security retirement and benefits and work at the same time, then you really want to be at uh, full retirement age because if you go out and claim your benefits before uh, uh, before full retirement age, let's say you go out at sixty two, your full retirement age is sixty six plus six months or something like that, then, uh, uh, you have to, you're not only going to get a docked, but you also have to, uh, uh, your earnings have to be less than a certain amount. And if you're less than full retirement age, that amounts about somewhere between, uh, 19,000 and and 20,000. I don't know what, they keep changing the number, uh, Let's say it's $19,500 or something like that. So if you're earning more than that uh, or that amount that's set by the government, then uh, they're going to deduct $1 from your benefit payments, Ruby $2 you earn above the annual limit. So uh, that changes the year that you reach full retirement and uh, then Social Security would deduct uh, $1 in benefits from every $3 you earn above a different limit. A different limit is somewhere around $52,000. So if you're earning, if you're still working and earning money, and if you're drawing benefits, unless uh, you're drawing your benefits, and you haven't an reached full retirement age, they're going to deduct a dollar for every $2 you're above that 19000 some limit. And the year that you uh, do become uh, full retirement age, then that limit is uh, 52000 and, and the reduction will be $1. That'll be $3 you're above that. So, so as long as you continue to work, and you uh, know uh, another thing is that this is strictly with regard to your earnings. Uh, uh, you know they don't—they're not including uh, the, the annuities or pensions or investment income or interest or anything like that, or uh, military or retirement. That they don't include those in terms of saying how much you're making. Strictly, strictly earned income. So. As you continue to work, even if you're receiving benefits, you'll also continue to pay Social Security taxes on your earnings. But the Social Security Administration will always keep track of the highest 35. And if, if you're in, if your earnings, uh, uh, even after you've begun to, to accept the benefits of Social Security, you're still making money, uh, that may increase your benefits. They'll keep track of that, and they'll inform you about that. So thank you for the question. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Sloan. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. I mentioned before that uh, the economy is moving, and uh, uh, we take a look at uh, the Institute of Supply Management's uh, uh, surveys, and uh, that's where they talk to the Supply Management, talks to managers in okay, manufacturing and service industries and stuff like that. And basically... Uh, they have, you know, they make comments with regard to what's happening in those particular fields. And basically both manufacturing and service industries are are growing, they're strong and they're growing, and manufacturing has exceeded uh, what they were before the COVID hit. And uh, the services are, are catching up Right now, because uh, you know the thing that they got uh, hit with uh, no restaurants and stuff like that, no travel. But now they're catching up, and and both of those industries, manufacturing and and uh, services, are strong. So uh, there's nothing wrong with this economy. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to uh, Get That Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Good It Slow. Last weekend, I was watching Queen Elizabeth's Jubilee celebration in London, and I thought of all the celebrations we all enjoy in the month of June, with its beautiful weather. We can enjoy the graduations, the weddings, the birthdays, Father's Day celebrations... Later, I opened a book, and I read this sentence that I saw many times before. It said, quote, I choose to be happy, unquote. And I thought, how true that statement is. So many ways our life would be better if we we made it better ourselves. No one can make you do it except ourselves. We can't control everything, but we can try to control what we do. First of all, be kind. Always. You have no idea how someone else's life is going. Next, don't gossip. Take pleasure in other, don't take pleasure in other people's misfortunes. You are better than that. Next, be grateful for every day of life you have on this earth and use it for something positive. Next, learn Mm -hmm. to be alone and independent. It is a skill that few master. Then don't wait for somebody to love you. Learn to love yourself first. Choose your friends wisely and you are a product of your environment. Save money every week, it doesn't matter how much, just spend less than you earn. And then educate yourself. Read, read, read. And then you <laughs> take care of you. Take care of your body. It's the only one you have. And if it's not going to matter in five years, don't spend a lot of time being upset about it. As we celebrate, I hope we have the presence of mind to church every second with the ones we love. And then makes time for, for fun, for rest, and for reflection. And then we plan our schedule. Let's remember that... Uh, Hopefully that uh, we'll meet again next week. As long as get this slow. that God we'll protect you and keep you safe. For
1: an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440 440- Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and CIPIC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.,
0: The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's